welcome to the Smart Post Sound Smartcast. My name's Joe Melody. I'm president of Smart Post, and I'm joined today by Matthew Callen. Hello. Ken Blaustein. Hi. And Doug Clark. Uh, Matt is our director of engineering. Ken is our senior vice president of sales. And Doug Clark is the managing director of Smart Post Sound West in Santa Monica. Hello. And uh, so what we're talking about today uh, is marketing because we're at the, we're in this, uh, I call these the, the, uh, COVID, the COVID, uh, podcasts. So we're in this period of time where there's not that much work to do, to be quite honest, if nobody noticed. And so it gives us a chance to think about, uh, marketing and what we, uh, what we offer other than the work that we do, which is, you know, excellent work. And so I thought that, uh, I thought I'd ask you, uh, Ken, uh, to start off. What, in your opinion, what do you think the difference is between uh, marketing and sales? So in my humble opinion, marketing is the process of getting people interested in the types of our services being sold uh, versus sales referring to the activities that lead to the selling of those offerings. And, and so what is the essence of, of marketing? Is it... Uh, you're you're not talking about the uh, about the actual services. What are you talking about when you're talking about marketing? Um, well, we're making our potential customers and our existing customers aware of our brand, uh, aware of what we're doing, details on company history, of course, the services that we offer, the awards that we've won, the awards that we've been nominated for, uh, which ties into the talent that we have here that help us sell. And uh, and Matt, you know you uh, you handle most of our digital marketing, and so when you sit down to do the digital marketing for an audio post production company, uh, what are you really what are you really doing? You're not really talking about uh, ADR stages or mixing stages or editorial. What are you really uh, What are you really addressing? Um, well, I know you and I talk about this a lot, Joe, um, and Ken, you and I as well, but. Uh, you know, we, we market uh, problem solving, I would say, is, is what we market. Um, everybody has, obviously, audio services that they offer, ADR, Foley, editorial, mixing, all of it. But we try and, and offer solutions to problems that our clients are faced with. Um, obviously, these are create, creative solutions. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of our marketing strategy, both digitally and, um, as I know, Ken, verbally, has with with a lot of his clients well if we uh if we're going to say that uh the uh, sizzle equals uh, marketing and steak equals sales what is a post uh, audio company going to employ most of the time is it going to be a combination or is it going to be weighted one way or the other uh it's ketchup (laughs) 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 um (laughs) I think that, you know, in terms of what it is we provide, it, it takes both um, in a combination of both for it to be a success. Um, because uh, clearly with our marketing strategy and, and again, offering solutions to problems that people face with their audio and, and whether that's a creative goal or, you know, maybe a issue with a technical issue. Um, that we have to address with a mix or something like that. It's coupled with 
the true sales of it all to the state with, uh, you know, uh, our quality products offering the whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's like an equation where uh, marketing plus uh, sales usually translates to closed business sales. In my opinion, that both are employed most of the time. We're selling and marketing at the same time. That's what I do. I market the company and then try and close the deal based on what we've used as a marketing tool. People want to know about us, what we do. They want to know solutions. This is a tough time right now with COVID. Mm-hmm. And Matt and I have addressed on numerous occasions uh, with a number of clients how they can successfully pull off remote ADR sessions um, at least three or four times in the last week. Right, Matt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, more times than I can think. Even with mixing, too, remote mixing, um, you know, editorial was pretty much done remotely already. So most people are familiar with that. But in regards to remote mixing, remote recording, uh, monitoring the whole thing, it's it's all changed. And, uh, Doug, uh, I know you sit down there in Santa Monica in, uh, I guess we, we would call Smart Post West the jewel in the crown of the company simply because of its access to high-end talent. But uh, you handle the schedule for the entire company. And so when you think about marketing and sales, how does what, what you do on a daily basis with the schedule and the client interface, uh, how does that play into one or the other? Is it uh, mostly marketing? Is it sales? Is it a, a combination? Yeah, I think it's both. I think, I, I think that you're uh, um, we're all salesmen and when you're dealing with a bunch of clients on email and uh, dealing with their schedules and just their mundane stuff. And then when they actually come and then when they actually come into the, uh, the stages and you're dealing with them directly face to face, obviously different times right now, but uh, then you just, you're, you're putting on your salesman face with, with, you know, not being a phony weirdo or anything, but just, being, being like a, 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 a who you are and, and making them feel comfortable in the space that you provided for them and you you know you show them show them what the what we have and they come back and they have you know uh, there's a, a, a motivational uh, marketing speaker named Simon Sinek who does uh, you know a really great uh, podcast and he has a video that uh, is screened frequently I use it all the time it's called start with why and he, uh, he talks about how Apple does their marketing. And the way they do it is they uh, start with why. In other words, they don't talk about what they make or how they make it, which is the way most businesses uh, sell their product. You know, they say, we make great computers. You know, we use the, the best technology and the most brilliant people buy our computer. Uh, he uh, recommends starting from why. And in the case of Apple, you know, their why is they want to change the world. They want to change their world by giving creative people access to uh, high-end computing tools. And so what, what that presumably does uh, is it inspires and attracts what are known as the early adopters uh, or the innovators. And those are the people who uh, hear about something. And even though it's not common knowledge, they go out and tell everybody because it uh, it says something about themselves. In other words, 
I am all in on SmartPost Sound or I am all in on some company or some product and they tell everybody. And so uh, how, how important and how do we use uh, the early adopters that come into our business? Uh, if you can think of some examples, I have a couple, but uh, how about you, Ken? Can you think of that? I think we've just dealt with it with BarkScapes. <coughs> Yeah, I think the early adopters are critical to our growth, um, mainly because they provide their thoughts about their experiences here. And those experiences are usually positive, but sometimes they're negative. Uh, not everything goes right all the time. And by listening and asking why they're here, uh, we get their feedback. And that you know, usually helps in reducing the cost of our technology development because we're hearing it firsthand from the first folks that were here that are still with us, uh, that are uh, conscientious about um, letting us know what we can do to provide a better experience at the end of the day for them. And of course, we're aware of keeping them up to date on technology and changes in business, our changes in talent, so on and so forth. And so the, uh, uh, for instance, I'm thinking of the, uh, the group on Bark, on bark Skins. They've been in the business a long time. Uh, but what do you think uh, a group like that would walk away from SmartPost Sound uh, thinking about the company and uh, telling other people? I think they had a great experience with us. Uh, they had some challenges in, in the beginning. Uh, they asked us for help. We fixed certain things and made their experience here much smoother. And at the end of the day, uh, they're all coming back. And uh, uh, how about uh, you, Matt? Uh, can you think of uh, can you think of an instance where early adopters have uh, helped our business? Uh, you may be actually more plugged into some of them because a lot of them are younger, and uh, you know you might deal with them on that level. Can you think of any? Well, I think like Ken said, you know, we uh, we've been working with teams for so long. You know, somebody gets somebody new gets introduced and if it's working they just kind of adopt it naturally and and adjust themselves to the way in which we work and we offer these solutions um i've seen it now over the course of my time at, at smart post where people just you know they start out as maybe even just a runner or a pa and they they next season they're a producer and season after that they're an associate producer and they just kind of climb the ranks but meanwhile they're sticking with us and they almost treat us like an extension to themselves because they're so familiar with our process they've seen it through uh, for a length of time now that they they just trust us um you know wholeheartedly and and i again i i don't think there's any marketing or sales in that at all other than it's just comfort comfort for them um uh, beyond a certain point you know if you if you crash and burn or something fails obviously they they also remember that but for most of the time it, it's a smooth ride and they just continue to bring projects in and things branch off it's it's all been and uh so think about this uh because I always I think about it all of the time. So how would you articulate the quote unquote why of a post audio business like Smart Post Sound? 
I can add a little little example uh, just to, to the add to the uh, the small example of um, um, with the COVID and and everything that's been going on. I have friends in the commercial world that uh, closed down and they weren't recording the voiceover normally that they would record. Obviously, they're mixing and recording and all that stuff. So they asked for my help and asked if we were open. Obviously, we um, have very talented people and we we were. Uh, quickly adjusted and could remain open for these uh, voiceover sessions or anything else that comes down the pipe. And um, I had one session come in for Arby's with Ving Rhames and um, he had a wonderful experience and just booked a whole bunch more time just, uh, you know, just before we started the podcast. And I guess well, I have friends and they're reaching out for me to help them. I'm not trying to steal their business, but we are providing this service that now they have another solution, their option. I think that's great that we work together mm -hmm. with other people in that way. Well, it's interesting that you, uh, that you bring that up and it, and particularly in the connection with uh, the advertising company that you're, that you work with, uh, that you help out because uh, echo sound services, which was the, previous company before SmartPost Sound, we had no facilities. And so we were really a bridge building company. And we built a bridge to virtually every major facility uh, in the world. And they loved us for it because we brought them, uh, you know, plenty of work. Uh, and so that was, that was our marketing approach back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. But does it seem to anybody that things have become a lot more siloed uh, today. It seems that way to me, but uh, what do you guys think? In other words, uh, are we going to see, uh, are we going to see Formosa, for instance, uh, uh, doing a split package with us where we, uh, where we, uh, you know, buy, you know, buy out their stages or universal or do most of these companies just want it all or nothing? I think it's all or nothing for most of us at this point. Um, they're greedy. They want to maintain as much business in-house as they can. And uh, you know, the competition out there is fierce. Uh, from a sales perspective, it's, uh, it's a tough world out there when you're in the trenches. Uh, finally, you know, negotiating uh, the bottom line with a potential new client. Uh, talent has a lot to do with it, but price also at the end of the day. Yeah, it seems as though a lot of the companies and look, we're we're guilty also uh, in the sense that we want to be vertically integrated and we want to do as many services as we possibly can. However, I think I would uh, point out that we do a lot of mix only packages. Uh, we do a lot of edit uh, edit only packages, but not as many as we used to. And it seems to me that that is a very positive way to uh, allow clients to maintain good relationships with an editorial company, you, uh, and a facility, Universal, or uh, Sony, or, or wherever. And so that's, that's a, a change that I've seen uh, just in the general marketing of the audio business uh, of today. Well, at the end of the day, we're not turning anything down. Uh, a good example was Genius Aretha. They're shooting in Atlanta. Uh, we're mixing in New York. We're edit editing here in Los Angeles and using a number of different companies. And it's working out for all of us. And, you know, we're happy with our 
slice of the pie on that one. Well, it is true that geographically we still maintain these partnerships because we don't have facilities in New York City, for instance. So we work at Soundtrack and in London we work in work at Halo and in Canada we work at uh, Postmodern. So there we have uh, kind of the old model uh, in place and working really fantastically well. We make money, they make money, but more importantly, the client uh, feels as though they have a lot of options. It, uh, it gives us a lot of infrastructure to throw around. So, uh, so I agree with you, Ken, and Genius Aretha is a good example of that. So, um, so listen, how, how important are awards in the uh, marketing effort? Anybody? Who wants to go first? Anybody have a thought on that? I can say that, that uh, just uh, uh, many years ago when I uh, worked at Laser Pacific, uh, we, were, we were young and squirrely kids, but we were there and they had an Emmy. And uh, when you walked uh, into the building and kind of by the uh, kitchen area where everybody sat and ate, there was, they built a, uh, a little glass case around the Emmy they won and had like a nice light on it and it was shining brightly right there to everybody to see at all times and uh, and uh, i know i know next formosa uses the you know the oscar angle and other angles as much as possible to entice people to you know get into their business because we win a lot of oscars or we've won oscars before or you know that that type of thing okay so with uh, with that example and that's a good example doug <clears throat> does anybody know how many Emmys SmartPost Sound has. And I know this sounds like just shameless, shameful self-promotion, but does anybody know? I do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you do? Just because I, I update the Twitter and, and Facebook and all that. <laughs> oh, I but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll I had that. no idea that you knew that, Matt. Why don't you tell everybody? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know <laughs> it's, I, I'm not as current as uh, I, I think... In total, between uh, the years of Echo and now, Emmys, isn't it 33 or is it higher? 36. Uh, you know what? I'll take either number because, uh, as Doug just pointed out, a, a pretty big facility, which Laser Pacific was, they were happy they had one. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So uh, I think you could say uh, that our award, uh, our award-winning ability is uh, repeatable, which says something about just the overall uh, quality of the work that comes out of the uh, out of the facility. Right. So customers will always feel more optimistic of getting nominated for an award when they're working in a facility with thirty-plus Emmys. Absolutely, absolutely. And then you know our golden reels and our CAS awards. We have quite a few CAS awards too, but nothing like uh, nothing like the Emmys or the golden reels. I think the golden reels, we might be up in the uh, up in the forty-plus. I think that's in the forty-plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, I, I just want to go on record. This this was my favorite part of the podcast. But we're going to continue. <laughs> uh, well, and I mean, to, to just something to add to that. I think the, you know, uh, the awards set a standard for the way you're perceived and the, the optics in which you're, again, using for a marketing tool or effort uh, that follows through to sales. You know, if, if you have 
more than one Emmy uh, you're taken seriously. And, you know, for us and our pedigree, I think that people take us very seriously. And it, it again, sets a standard of quality that people expect us to have. Well, it's, it's really, uh, it's really true. You know, I won an Emmy uh, some years back in the nineties for a, a TNT show called heart of darkness. And I, I was walking in the ballroom with my uh, Emmy and, uh, uh, a fellow ran up behind me and, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, how in God's name do you guys do the quality that you do in, on a television budget? And I turn around and it was the famous Steve Flick, who, uh, uh, of course, uh, for many years was the gold standard uh, when it came to feature film sound. And so, uh, I mean, if nothing else, I think that uh, said that awards are not only important to clients, but they're also important uh, to the way the industry and your colleagues and other professionals in the uh, business uh, think about your company and the work that you do. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I've told that story many times and uh, no many, no matter how many times Steve says not to tell it, I'm still telling it. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so let's uh, pivot to uh, something that I think uh, Matt might be more familiar with, uh, but I don't know, but uh I know you you do a little bit of data mining, and I bring this up only because uh, I think something that people don't realize is that uh, our our business is a creative business, and there are not that many uh, people that think so much about data mining and uh, predictive analytics. In other words, being able to, to predict uh, the trajectory of business. But you do. Uh, am I correct about that when you analyze our uh, website and uh, other metrics? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a certain amount of uh, analytics that go into, you know, managing our sites and and seeing where people click through and conversions and things that, you know, equate to sales. Uh, obviously, we're a service business, so a lot of it is is just general information that people are, are trying to access our website for um but there are times that you know they'll fill out a form it'll it'll submit and they'll be inquiring for a, a you know specific service or a quote on a bid or whatever and you know that that does convert to a a sales and uh, or sometimes a sale and, you know, that would get referred to Ken. I'm sure, Ken, you fielded a, a few of these in the past where people are just, you know, using our site to maybe find out some more information on things. Uh, you know, I've, I've set up before heat maps and things that are, are a little finer in detail for people navigating to a site. And what a heat map is, is, is sort of a general look on where they're navigating, where they kind of stick around with their mouse or services that they'll kind of maybe uh, check out it it helps uh in terms of what it is we want to place emphasis on in in sales but again you know there there's a lot of uh ken's out there doing a lot of work that can't be done through a website or any online presence uh just because it's face-to-face interaction it's finding out with our clients what's coming up, what they have going on, what we can offer. Again, problem solving. Uh, and that's really the, the key to our business is that. Well, yeah, it's, um, and Ken does that very, very well. I'm, I'm thinking back, you know, we're talking about high level uh, data mining. 
Uh, do you know what I used to do uh, 30 years ago uh, that was my version of data mining? I used to uh, drive behind the different facilities that we competed with and just find out who was parked there because they all had <laughs> <bushes>. signs. <laughs> and so... And so if I saw people that uh, that we had worked with and I didn't understand why they were working at a competitor, I would park my car and I would go into the coffee area because all facilities have them. And I'd wait to bump into them. And uh, the minute I would bump into them, we'd get talking. And if they said something like, oh, boy, you know, uh, they're nice people here, but it's going kind of slow. That was my opening. Mm. And um, in fact, uh, uh, years ago, there was a, I, I won't name the show because we still do it, but uh, we lost the client, we lost the client for a period of time and uh, they were very demanding and uh, they went over to, to uh, Tadeo and uh, I was doing a, a movie over there and when I was finished the movie, I was leaving the stage and the engineering people were walking a, a console, an, out, an outboard console onto that stage. I said, what's that for? And uh, they said, well, we have this huge pilot coming in from, uh, you know, from CBS. And I said, oh, really? And they told me the name. And of course, it was the client that we had lost. And I said, well, who's going to be mixing it? And they said, well, the crew you just finished your movie with. And with those two little bits of information, I put uh, a little note on my calendar to call the producer the day after the dub was going to end because I knew that we'd be able to get them back in no time and we did it was uh it was but that's the way we used to that's the way we used to do it uh there was uh, not a lot of uh, sophisticated uh, marketing and data mining so it's a good thing you didn't key their car is it? <laughs> now, wait a minute who told you about that <laughs> so uh last marketing question uh which i think is pertinent it might be pertinent for a lot of the uh, young people that are listening to this they might start a little business of their own uh, or that may be the only way that they can get started working in the in the industry but if you're a small company with one stage and uh, very limited resources what what is the most important thing that you want to be marketing in your opinion that clients get the most bang for their buck so it's price driven. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, that that's kind of what I would think. But uh but also with with you know talent that they will accept. Right. So if you can offer both, uh I think that really puts a good shine on the the marketing appeal that you're uh, presenting to them. Yeah. Yeah, because we were all there at one time and I you know I I teach, I've got a lot of students, they don't know what to do, but uh they have to market whatever they're doing uh, in order to get that first job. And uh, so any of you, any of uh, the rest of you have some thought on that? Yeah, I, I would say the same thing, you know, and I probably gave away the, the, this answer already with the problem solving bit, but, you know, setting a standard that is of client comfort that they know that when they bring you something that there will be no issues uh, on the production of that and they'll have an output from you that is uh, at a set standard that is what they demand. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, which actually goes along with that, Matt, um, and it's something that a lot of people don't realize, but 
all of your your uh, independent audio facilities back in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, they actually were the technology companies of our industry, and they existed because they had invented uh, something that the industry you know ended up using. So Rider Sound, they uh, invented the smaller portable Nagra tape recorder. Before that, uh, you know what. Uh, was used on production was very big, very unwieldy, you know, just a, a real nuisance. And then uh, uh, Tadeo, they developed the uh, Tadeo uh, uh, sound format to go with their widescreen film format. And Glenn Glenn, uh, they invented what we call ADR. And it was very simple what they did. They, they uh, could just enter a footage and frame for the record on and they could enter a footage and frame for the record off. And that's what they called ADR, automatic dialogue replacement. So, uh, but those were considered for their day innovations. And there were, there were many others. And so I know that, uh, that uh, Matt and Ken in particular, but also some of the other members of our staff, uh, we are constantly uh, coming up with new protocol, new technology, and better workflows uh, to present to our clients. And that probably gives uh, Ken and our other sales uh, people uh, really the most important thing to talk about. Yeah. I, I would like so, to say too that just uh, having the, the options with the, the variety of you know, places that we can offer, which you know, obviously Burbank and many stages and ADR stages, and then acquiring Santa Monica right. to New York to Atlanta, some in Canada. Uh, we have, you know, the options that you can get these people in so they can actually see and kick the tires and go, hey, we can work here. And we have people in Santa Monica that need a place to live. And, hey, this, you guys can provide it. I think that's very important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have, you know, our footprint uh, is about 60 or 70,000 square feet. A lot more than that if you count some of our partners. But it's spread out all over the world, so um, it's uh, it's very powerful, and it's a uh, it's a web of really creative energy that is uh, scalable uh, any way that the clients uh, need to use it. So, and that's something that has developed relatively quickly, uh, probably over the last five years. So it's uh, it's very exciting. So, one last thing before we go, because we're just about at the end. Um, it's a little feature that I introduced in the very first podcast, uh, but uh, we like to tell at least one story about a big star that can't get us sued. And uh, <laughs> I know that, Doug, I know you've got one that you've told before. Uh, if you can tell it faster than you told it the first time, it's a pretty good one. Tell, tell the story again, right? Uh, there, was, there was a small little interruption there. Yeah. Uh, via uh, Wayne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, when I was working at POP Sound, we, uh, we, had, we had one ADR stage, but uh, many VO booths that we used for our commercial work. And um, uh, we did so many different talents, astronauts, actors, like any actor you can think of came through that door, uh, an actress. And uh, there was a movie that Johnny Depp did. Um, he produced and directed, maybe wrote, co-wrote, and his cast included um, Marlon Brando. And so we knew that 
we had the cast uh, coming in to do the ADR work. And at some point, uh, Marlon Brando was going to come in. And sometimes those things cancel, as we know. And Johnny was there every day and came into our office and said, okay, today's the day. Uh, Marlon's coming. And uh, so we just played it cool like we, we, you know, like most of the times, because you see actors all the time in Los Angeles or wherever you are in big cities like, like this, especially the city. Um, but Johnny went a little further and just went ahead and told us that, uh, you know, don't be afraid of him. He will come up and talk to you. He'll be very friendly. He'll, you know, he might touch you <laughs> just be, just being friendly, like put his arm on you. Like, How are you doing? That kind of, he's just a very, uh, slow going guy and inquisitive and talkative. Um, normally that's not the case. Actors come in, they go in, they're done, they leave. So that's what we thought it was going to be. And Johnny was just being a little bit overbearing. Um, but sure enough, I was down uh, the hallway in this little uh, room where we did uh, dubs of VHSs and DATs and all this kind of stuff. Standing there with some friends uh, doing some work for some clients. And uh, in walks Marlon Brando with Johnny Depp. And he walks, in, he walks into that little room and is standing there with me and my friends and just started talking to us for about 10 or 15 minutes about what we were doing and how we're doing and um, it was a really interesting experience. And then he went, and then he went on to talk to everybody else along the way to the front desk girls, to the schedulers, to anybody else that was in the hallway and, uh, before he got to the stage. So it took him a while. It was a really interesting experience to meet that caliber of a person. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, these, uh, these big stars, they are a little bit lonely, you know, rich, but lonely. So, uh, so anyway, that's uh, that's a good story, uh, Doug. Anybody else want to throw one in before we wrap this up? That's a hard act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, look on that uh, on that note. Hey, thank you everybody for taking the time to uh, talk about this uh, topic. And uh, thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yes. Thanks, Joe. And so, look until next week. Uh, this has been the Smart Post Sound Smartcast.